Blog Talk Radio. Right here on Block Talk Radio and UltimateSportsTalk.com, another edition of the Blitz, alongside the always informative Troy Wilson uh, and Nkishi Free. Um, fortunately, Nkishi won't be back until next week, um, so I am kind of saddened and uh, in amazement um, because of the news that happened this past uh, weekend uh, at the Orlando massacre. And so, uh, you know, prayers go out to everybody. In Orlando, uh, prayers go out to their family members uh, for the, you know, this just just horrible uh, incident that happened in Orlando. Um, it's the reality that we live in overseas, and now it seems to, you know, have to take effect here. And I'm hoping that this is not something that's going to go forward uh, with, you know, con- consistency because then uh, – Things are going to change um, for the worse. So uh, alongside Troy here, uh, we send out our prayers and our condolences to all the family members out there, uh, especially to the uh, WFA Nation, WFA Football Nation. Uh, the Central Florida Anarchy uh, had two players or two members of their, you know, their family uh, involved in the shooting. Yeah, Paula Blanco, which is uh, a player that plays for the Anarchy, and Corey Cornell. Um, who was a coach and supporter of the team. And unfortunately, Corey today is no longer with us. So we sent our condolences to his family, uh, to the team, and to the entire community up in, in Orlando. Um, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, we'll figure this out and making sure that uh, we take some sort of action for this. This is just uh, people are calling it an, an isolated incident. This is, to me personally, you know, on, on my personal account, this was not an isolated incident. This is a this is a bigger picture, and I think uh, you know when you go against evil, evil doesn't have value for life, and I think that's where we're at right now. So uh, that's my two cents to this incident. Um, there's no justification for you know killing innocent people. So uh, that's my point. Uh, I don't know, Troy. What's your feelings? Um, I concur. I mean, I, it's it's to the point now. I think that the, the thing that really bothers me the most is that it seems as if when these things are reported, no one really gets up in arms about it. No one is surprised. 
you know, they just kind of tune in to, you know, see where the body count stops at. And no one's surprised anymore. And I, I think from a societal standpoint, I didn't think we would ever be here. I mean, I you know, I mean, I, I just remember, you know, it just seems like after 9-11, there seems to be this kind of shrug of the shoulders. And not, not you know, not to the point of that no one cares, but it's almost like, yeah, you know, we knew it was going to be any day that something like this would happen again. Um, and it, it, it knows no, it has no limits. You know, I mean, you, you do that to, um, you know, working class people and, and, you know, at the, at the world trade center and you have Sandy Hook. I mean, you're talking about babies here, babies, little kids, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's unthinkable. And then, you know, you do that to another community out in California. Um, and then, it, you know, then it becomes the LGBT community. There is no group off limits. So in my opinion, and my, my thought is this, is that if these, you know, whoever people, you know, people who just have a, uh, you know, a, a lack of value for life. It does. It doesn't know any. It, it doesn't discriminate. So, if, if anything, if we should take anything from that, is that we should stop the discrimination. We should stop hating upon other groups that are, you know, that don't think like us, don't look like us, don't, you know, act like us, dress like us. We should stop that. We should stop, you know, all that discrimination between each other. And we should actually be able to join together, and 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 and, and stand against the tyranny, uh, you know, uh, of the things that are happening like this. We have no this, reason this, to be to hate anyone else it, because everyone is it, it, again. It has no boundaries. It doesn't care if you're white, you're black, you're gay, you're straight, you're working, you're a kid, you're a baby. It, it knows no limits. We should all be standing together right now just to stand against things like this. The, the issue, the, you know, from a soldier's perspective that I come from, uh, the enemy has arrived. That's all I'm going to tell you right now. The, the, you know, whether you want to believe it, you know, uh, politics doesn't play into any type of remedy for this. I've told people many of times, you know, the, the politicians have no remedy for this. The only remedy for this is, is to set up some sort of, you know, uh, combat to take care of this issue. And what you're going to get into is nobody ever wants to say, well, we got to go kill them. But the bottom line is they don't have value for life. So we have value for life. We might hesitate to kill them because we try to consider and take in consideration their feelings that they're human. But the reality is their belief is not that. Their belief is you are an enemy and you must be eradicated. That's their belief. If you, if you go down to the bare bone of what they believe, and I'm not going to put a blanket statement here saying, you know, every Muslim in this country is, you know, radical. No. But, you know, the, the small percent that have that belief from the homeland or from wherever they're, you know, uh, taught or, or where their teachings come from, it just takes one of the small percent to create chaos. 
You know what I mean? It's just it's it, that's the way it is. You know, you got you got kids overseas that as a soldier, I have many so, many soldiers, friends of mine, that have lost limbs, have lost legs because they sent out a kid and portrayed the child to be in harm, and we decided to shield that kid from harm, and guess what happened? The kid had an internal bomb strapped around him. The moment that we catered to that, then we, you know, we lose our life. And because they they don't care. They don't care if they have to, you know, uh, put a kid out there in the way of the mission. That's really what it boils down to. They don't have any value for life. And unfortunately, you know, uh, we have to we have to look at this. I mean, the, the, the besides politics, if you talk to anybody that has ever carried a, a gun, has ever carried a military attitude, every soldier that has ever donned a, a gear and a weapon will tell you that this is war. You know what I mean? This is no longer a passive. Oh, by the way, this guy's mentally in, unstable. Okay, you can make every excuse in the book, but there's 100 people dead. <laughs> and mentally unstable does not cut it for those 100 people. Just doesn't cut it. So we have to be real about it, you know. And you 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 said it earlier, we got to be real about it. It's it's out there. I mean, Israel lives this every day. Europe is living it. But to think that it would never arrive in our back door is just foolish. And so, you know, but I don't want to make this this hour about, you know, politics and, and what we should do, what we shouldn't do. That's obviously up to the, uh, you know, the, the president to do something, the legislator, the Congress, you know, the local communities, everybody's got to play a role into how we react to this or how we're going to, you know, defend this or how we're going to take care of it. But I wanted just to be clear on the fact that, you know, it, it's, it's, it's something where, you know, we value life. They don't. And, and to your point, Troy, it, it doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter what, what it is, a child, uh, a certain religion, a certain uh, ethnic group. It doesn't matter. They don't care. They don't have a caring bone. They, they, their attitude is just to complete a mission and make a statement of, from their belief. And that just, uh, you know, it, it blows our minds because we value life. So uh, to the Central Florida Anarchy, to the uh, uh, Women's Football Alliance community, and in general to the women's, uh, you know, community um, you know, we, we are, our prayers go out, our condolences go out to you, to the family members, um, to the family of Corey Cornell, who lost his life in this incident, uh, to Paula Blanco, who, uh, uh, from what I hear is still battling and trying as she's going in for a second surgery to try to, you know, obviously get her back to normal. So, um, I wanted to say that there's a bunch of good people on some of the uh, groups on the women's football groups this week when all this happened. Uh, Holly's going to be here in about a half hour or so. Uh, she was one of the uh, people that was, you know, kind of like spearheading certain things for us to do fundraising and to try to get some, you know, some fundraising done for those affected in terms of the players, but also for those around the community. So um, if you go to our Facebook page, uh, you go to Holly's Facebook page, Holly Custis, um, you can go to the uh, women's football group forum as well. Uh, there's the post uh, for the fundraising shirts uh, by S. Callie um, Blair. So I want to just give her a shout out. She's done a great job from the Atlanta Phoenix. 
And um, there's a link to the Georgia Girls Tackle Football League where you can purchase the shirts. Um, they're uh, an average of about $20. It's a well-designed shirt. It looks really nice. But besides the shirt being nice, uh, by purchasing one of those shirts, you actually are able to uh, put in some dollars to help out the, the players of the Central Florida Anarchy first and foremost. And then um, the Anarchy will then, based on surplus of money that is no longer needed by the players, they will then decide uh, what groups locally in Orlando that need a helping hand, they will disperse those funds as well. So um, go to our Twitter page. If you want to go to Great Iron Beauties on Twitter, you can go to the Twitter page on the uh, Central Florida Anarchy at SF Anarchy on Twitter, and the, the post will be there. You can also go to their uh, Facebook page at Central Florida Anarchy Women's Football Team. Um, so there's ways to do that. Um, so Troy, is just, you know, it's just uh, one of these things that, you know, it's reality of life. And unfortunately, um, in the next week or two, we'll we'll get a better picture of, you know, where this guy's mindset was, people around him. I mean, there's just so much stuff that that you have to go through. Um, I mean, from on my point of view, like I said, I'm not going to get into a political stance here, but in my point of view is uh, I wouldn't say the FBI dropped the ball, but I will say that there were some flag signs that maybe could have been thoroughly looked at a lot more thoroughly. But uh, reality is whoever was around this person that knew that there was, that this person had some sort of intentions should have spoke up, you know, just the way it is, you know what I mean? Just yeah, speak uh, up. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, the main, the main part of that is, is the, as you said, the people that were very close to him, his wife, his ex-wife, his friends, um, you know, the, the, you know, he had a, um, he would go to, you know, his mosque and, you know, the people in his mosque said he was, you know, acting, he was always just, you know, acting a little bit off. But then it's like, you know, he's on the terrorist watch list and for the life of me, I don't understand how you can be on the terrorist watch list, but then you're also allowed to not only buy a gun, but you're allowed to buy a assault rifle. I don't, I mean, my opinion is this, okay. If you are on that list in the first place, I don't care when it was. You should never be allowed to buy that. Fine. You want to buy a hunting rifle, that's fine. But an assault rifle? There's no reason for that. No reason. I I just, you know. Reality, you know what? Troy, what I read was, uh, here's the first mistake that everybody made in my point of view, okay? He was hired by a security agency that gave him a license to a weapon. And apparently they did a background check on him. And none of this, I guess, and none of this stuff mattered. That he was on a watch list. That, was, that should have been your first flag right there. You cannot be part of our organization because you are obviously on a flag list. I mean, if you want to call it discrimination, call it what it is. I, I would, I would have rather discriminated him than see the, you know, hundreds of people dead or, or casualties that we see today. It would have been that know, focal I, point, you know. And you know the thing that really burns, that burns me up, man. Excuse my language, but it burns my ass. Is that I went ahead and I applied for, and I'm not going to say the agency's name, I applied for a government agency. And I was not allowed to go into this agency for this reason. I had two, I had two speeding tickets. So someone that could be on is the terrorist watch list. Is that silly or what? Is that silly or what? Yeah, exactly. Somebody that could be on a terrorist watch list. Oh my gosh, that is. But he can still do a job he, working for the government. 
But I can't work that's my point. agency because I had two tickets. It's ridiculous. That, that's my that's my point. It's like, at what point do you, at what point, and, and, you know, I don't want to be biased to anybody, but based on the information that we're gathering and is given to us, okay, if, if, if the first sign was that he came from a Muslim background, if the first sign doesn't strike you then, then, you know, you have to be cautious. I mean, you have to be cautious. And somebody told me his supervisor didn't want to turn him in because he didn't want to seem like he was discriminating. I guess he's going to think twice now after a hundred people are dead. Cause I, well, I would have rather, you know, I mean, you know what I mean? It's just, there's just so many, so many angles to the story, but we're not going to, you know, delve into the hour with that. But anyways, the reality is uh, we have some people that obviously need our prayers and they need our help. And so um, we're going to go into that later with Holly on what we're doing with the efforts to try to, you know, um, get them some support and get them to a state. We'll leave, We'll leave the government and the legal aspects of things in, in terms of how they're going to tackle this and how they're going to mediate this and what methods are they're going to use to, uh, you know, to obviously do better screening or do what they got to do to keep us safe. So that's the reality of things. Um, so Tori, let's 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 go into the huddle, uh, and we have our our women's gridiron insider, and we're going to talk the WFA round one matchups. So uh, let's talk with Neil Rosenthal of neilrosenthal.com, of the DC Divas, of the WFA. Uh, Neil, uh, it's not a good, uh, not a good week uh, in terms of, you know, the, the incident that happened in Orlando. It's a, it was a great weekend of football. So uh, I don't know if you have, you know, if you want to put two cents to the Orlando incident before we talk playoffs. Yeah. I mean, obviously it's, it's one of those situations where um, you have tragedies in this country uh, from time to time, but rarely does it strike home the way in the women's football world the way that obviously it did on Sunday. And I think, you know, I, I don't really get into the political part of it. I'm not a particularly political guy. Um, I, you know, it's, it's, it's never really been my, uh, thing or my, my stance to do that. I, I think in a larger sense, I've always kind of gotten involved with sports largely because it's sort of, uh, a respite from things of that nature. But, you know, when it, when it hits home like this, it's, it's, it's absolutely brutal. I think, uh, you know, uh, I'm glad you're having Holly on and, and, and hopefully she can talk more about it. Um, obviously, uh, I, I think you're doing a great, uh, thing with, by uh, talking about the, the shirts that are being put on. I've already purchased one. My wife has purchased one. You know, I'd encourage people to look into that and, and, and do that. I'd encourage all the teams that are across every league who is having a game, you know, an upcoming playoff game, uh, going forward, you're probably going to mention it. You're probably going to have a moment of silence before the game. Just, uh, when you tell her story, you know, if you could put out some sort of donation jar somewhere in the stands so that people can, you know, fans can at some point, uh, contribute, you know, it's, 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 it's just, it's, it's such a horrible thing. And, you know, when you think of somebody like, uh, Paula Blanco, who, you know, you, you read about her story and, you know, obviously I didn't know, you know, anything about her before this incident stuff, but you read her story, it's, you know, Mighty Mouse and, and coming in as, as a small player and, 
you know, those are the, I mean, those are the, those are things I love about women's football. I love stories like hers and, you know, it just, it's, it's such a, such a terrible thing. And, and, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's tough for me to even talk about it. You get choked up, but, but the reality is, you know, and I don't know if she listens to shows like this or anything like this, but I want her to know that the entire women's football community, we are a, we are with you 100% and, you know, not today and not tomorrow and not next week. You are a part of a family in this sport and we love you and we want the best for you. And we're going to be here to support you in any way that we can. And just absolutely all, all, all the best to her and, and everything we can do to help her. You know, I, I think we got to do so, um, you know, again, it's, it's tough to talk sports, but you know, this, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's what we do. It's, one of the only things I'm I'm particularly good at, so you know you kind of you kind of do that, but but you know have, heaven knows uh, uh, wish her all the best uh, as she begins uh, a road to recovery. And again, if she's a women's football player, she's a fighter, and I know she's going to fight through this. And, you know I, I can't imagine what she's going through, but you know she's you know we we're 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 here for you. The whole the whole community here in women's football is here for you, and and we're going to be here for you. So. Um, you know that's 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 pretty much all I all I can add to it. And, and Neil, you know we 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 don't want to, to kind of sway from the reality of the playoffs and you know the excitement of the season. But uh, with the same token, like I said at the top of the hour, uh, you know we are going to be uh, able to support them those two those two uh, the players first. I have people on social media going, "What happened to the other victims?" Well, you know. I, I don't want to sound like I, I don't care about the other victims, but because of what we cover and what we do foremost, uh, I'm more concerned with, you know, supporting and giving a hand to the players of the uh, Central Florida Anarchy first and foremost for recovery purposes and to get back to, you know, some state, especially to the family of Corey Connell, who, uh, who obviously passed away. Uh, I think the funds should go there first to make sure that they're taken care of first and foremost with their needs. And then, you know, if we have the means to support others around the community, then that that would be, you know, generous. But uh, first and foremost, you know, the 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 fundraiser or the uh, the fundraiser that we started was really to support the players of the, uh, you know, of the of the team and their family members in the time of need. And then, you know, based on, like I said, leftover funds or anything that obviously that we can do, uh, or as the team can do as a whole. Um, then obviously they're going to decide who deserves certain things to, for support. So I just want to make sure everybody understands that not that we don't, you know, we don't care about the other victims, but uh, you know, we're we're in what we do is women's football, and what we want to do is take care of the women's football players first and foremost and their families before we, you know, commit to taking care of other people. So not that it's well, not, I, not, yeah. not, not right, so. I mean, I think it's an important point. You know, people are going to give to. I mean, individually as as people, as humans. I mean, you're you're you know, you're going to give to uh, whatever you're 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 moved in your heart to give to. You're going to contribute to whatever you want to uh, uh, contribute to. I'm I'm not saying contribute to to one thing over another. I'm saying, you know, what what I will say is is that as a women's football community, to rally around uh, this young woman. For me personally, my, my view of it is there are a number of victims um, a, a, as a result of this. Um, but if we can, 
you know, if, if we can rally around our own in a demonstra- demonstrable way where we could say, all right, you know, here, the, you know, these are one or two of our own, and if we can, you know, help them in any way, shape, or form, you know, then we, you know, we have made a difference. You know, I, I, I may be, as an individual, you know, and this is how I've always viewed it is, I, I maybe can't help a uh, uh, hundred people all in a major impactful demonstrative way, but, you know, if we can help, you know, one person or obviously uh, the family of, uh, of the anarchic coach, um, you know, if we can provide that kind of support too, you know, it, it, to me, it shows the strength of our community, the bonds that we have uh, within this community. And again, for us, you know, for me, you know, with all the victims of this tragedy, if we can ease the pain of one, then I think we've, you know, I, I think we've, we've, we've done a fine job as, as a women's football community. I mean, you know, if, if, if you can ease the, a little bit of the pain and a little bit of, of that from, from, from one or two, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take that and I'll sleep at night knowing that, uh, you know, that we've made a positive difference. And, and that's all you can really do is just try to make a positive difference one way or the other. Yeah. Uh, uh, I wonder, you know, even if it's not a wide net as you might like, uh, uh, at least you can get in there and, and, and do what you can. Yeah. And I want to uh, stress to everybody that's listening right now, um, you know, in the women's football community, please, as you do the post for the shirt link, please make it public. It's just gonna it's just gonna present itself in a lot more news feeds for your friends and everybody that follows you, their friends that follows you. Make sure that that goes public and not private, because the opportunity is there for somebody to, like Neil says, to take that into account and say, I want to help them. And so, you know, the more people we can reach, the, the more potential for uh, funds. And obviously, you know, uh, Paula, you know, prayers out to her. You know, recovery time is going to be lengthy. And there's going to be a lot of heartache for her in terms of financial situation. So that's really what we want to do is we want to, you know, make an impact on social media to get a lot of more people involved so that maybe uh, they will contribute faster. And then it will alleviate that pain financially for her, number one. Number two, there's also a recovery status for it because, you know, we don't know if she's got insurance. She doesn't have insurance. So there's a lot of intangibles for assisting somebody. And uh, dollars is obviously one of the big ones, too. So that's what we want to do. So, Neil, um, to your prediction, let's go into the women's game. Uh, You won at Diva's Passion. You got Diva's Passion round two. I did want it, and uh, we did get it. And I think, you know, as you look at the uh, four games in WFA 1 that will be happening on June 25th, if you look at the conference semifinal games, to be perfectly honest with you, um, they're not that interesting or exciting to me. Um, I think DC Pittsburgh is clearly the game of the week in WFA one in the semifinals on June 25th. I mean, when you look at the other three matchups, just to be, and again, it's just my job to be honest, just being, you know, you have central Cal against Pacific. Uh, those two teams played in week 10 and central Cal won 58 to six. Uh, you have the Dallas Elite playing the Kansas City Titans. Those teams played in Week Five, and Dallas won 60 to 20. And uh, you had the uh, Chicago Force play, uh, are going to play the Boston Renegades. Those two teams, of course, played in Week Eight uh, in the game in which Cahill was injured, 
and Chicago wound up winning 58 to 14. So those all three of those games have been played uh, this season and uh, really for the second half of the season. And all three of those games went to the home team by 40 points or more. And I think when you have those kinds of matchups, now look, can the road teams keep it closer? Um, can the road teams make it competitive? Of course they can. These are talented teams are in the playoffs for a reason. And, uh, and obviously when you get uh, in a position like that as a road team, your focus and your goal is let's keep it close. Let's let's keep it close at halftime, and then let's have it close going into the fourth quarter, and then you 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 know you try to you try to do it, and and can they through a playoff intensity keep it closer than forty points in the rematch? I would think so, and and I would hope so in many cases. But on the flip side, are they going to be able to overcome that kind of a margin in the regular season meeting to actually be able to win the game outright? That's going to take a lot, and and it would be a very surprising outcome to me if, if that happened. Uh, whereas BC Pittsburgh. Two teams have not played, have not played since 2013. Um, you have the two-time defending IWFL champ in Pittsburgh and the defending WFA champ in the D.C. Divas, and I just think that's going to be uh, a really marquee matchup uh, in WFA 1 and in the conference semifinals in uh, what are otherwise three matchups that I think are pretty lopsided towards the home teams. D.C. Pittsburgh is, is it's going to be a good one on June 25th. So let's break. Let's let's go do a recap. We all thought uh, the Warriors going to Shockwave. We we were thinking the Shockwave was going to be ready. Uh, the Warriors, I think we got to give them credit. Facing Central Cal maybe was the big difference for them in terms of winning uh, because they go up north and they edge by a touchdown. So very tough battle in the Northwest, fourteen to seven. So to me, it take it just goes to show. Defensively, they were ready. Uh, either offensively, the Shockwave uh, wasn't, you know, the Shockwave was scoring points, but in the Northwest Division, it's always been pretty tight in terms of, you know, they're not scoring over 50 points or 40 points. They're always, you know, within that under 30 range and pretty competitive. So, uh, where do you, do you give credit to the Warriors right now? Do you think they're going to be more tested? This is a bigger platform for them because they're, they're facing the Angels for the right to go to the uh, to the conference final. You know what I mean? One step closer to a national championship. So where do you think that, that where they lie? Well, first of all, you have to give a ton of credit to to the Pacific Warriors. There was sort of that raging debate, and we talked about this before the game, all season long uh, as far as do you favor an undefeated Portland team uh, who has really dominated in the Pacific Northwest, even though the Massey statistical ratings weren't, wasn't as impressed with the Pacific Northwest, as it was with some of the southern uh, Pacific Coast uh, teams around California, or do you, you know, for a while it was neck and neck in terms of maybe Pacific might even be in a position to host that game uh, with two losses, uh, both of which were to Central Cal, and I think some people were, were up in arms about the potential of an undefeated team having to go on the road and play a, a two-loss team in the Pack Warriors. But I, I said this before, and I think it was the lopsided loss in Week 10 to Central Cal that really tipped the scales in favor of Portland uh, in terms of hosting that game. But I said before, you know, you have to watch out for the Pacific Warriors team. This is a very, very good team. Just because they have two losses to Central Cal, don't discount them. And um, I, I, I was very impressed. Uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was a very good game. We knew coming in you had – the uh, Pacific Warriors had Priscilla Gardner, and I actually – 
said this in a preview, so I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit. But you had Priscilla Gardner, who's the leading rusher in the WFA this season, uh, leading rusher in the WFA last season, and, and a tremendous player. Um, she came in for the Pacific Warriors, and I said, she's going to have to be involved if they want to beat the, the, the Fighting Shockwave, whose strength was defense. The Fighting Shockwave had the second-highest, uh, second-best scoring defense in the WFA. Uh, behind, I believe, the Dallas Elite, they had only allowed uh, four points per game all year long, uh, the the fighting shockwave. So you kind of knew that if the Pack Warriors were going to win, it was going to be – they were going to need uh, a low-scoring game to do it. Uh, well, actually, it's the War Angels. The War Angels have the number one uh, scoring defense. But uh, the fighting shockwave had a defense that's only been allowing four points per game uh, all season long. So you knew if – the Pack Warriors were going to try to win this thing. It was going to have to be what it was, which is a low-scoring game. And what wound up happening was, I'm pretty sure they got two rushing touchdowns, and I'm pretty sure uh, it was Gardner uh, both times who got in the end zone for the Pack Warriors. And she was able to break through that defense and, and get a couple of touchdowns for Pacific, and then their defense just had to had to hold on from that point. And they did it. They were They were somehow managed to – shut down the fighting shockwave offense enough that uh, the Pack Warriors were able to come out with a 14-7 upset. And, and I really figured that was kind of the way they were going to have to do it. You didn't think they'd get a lot of points. But they got enough, and then their defense uh, for Pacific really won the game for them. Now, again, is that going to give them the momentum and propel them against Central Cal? I don't know. I, I, uh, again, these two teams played uh, not that long ago. Uh, in fact, in the final weekend of the regular season is when they played, and it was a 50-point blowout for Central Cal. Central Cal is a good team, uh, people. I mean, they're they're a very good team. And in fact, in this week's rankings, which the rankings are – they don't have anything to do with seeding anymore. Now they're just more for uh, what rankings pretty much always are, which is bragging rights. Uh, Central Cal has moved up to the number two spot in the nation. Uh, they are actually ranked number two in the nation behind the Dallas Elite – they have uh, jumped the Chicago Force and the D.C. Divas in the rankings, um, largely because Warriors uh, won and look much better, uh, having beaten Portland, and Central Cal has convincingly beaten the Pack Warriors a couple of times. So their wins look much more impressive. And uh, Central Cal is, is an extremely, extremely dangerous team. And I, I think, you know, it's, it's, gonna, it's asking a lot to ask the Warriors to, to knock them off. But again, they're in a classic underdog role. Try to keep her close at halftime. Try to keep her close after at the end of the third quarter and then, you know, hope you get the bounces in the fourth that uh that can pull it out for you. But uh Central Cal is waiting and I think that's a tough matchup for them. But, you know, a ton of credit to the Pacific Warriors who did something that I think a lot of people didn't think they could do. I think that turned a lot of people's heads, uh, that the Pack Warriors were able to go to, know, up to Oregon and win credit to them. Yeah, the only reason I mention it is because you brought it up last week as a key, you know, as a key uh, matchup because of the fact that we all were pretty high on the shockwave because of their good season. But you know, battle tested in the playoffs goes to show, like you said, uh, because they faced a, a competition like the War Angels, maybe that set them up for like a defensive matchup, which they took a control of. Um, the other game that we were looking at was how well would Boston do against Cleveland? And uh, it was really tight ball game until the towards the end there. And uh, the Renegades edge Fusion 19 to 13. This was 
probably one of the most interesting games of the weekend. Uh, and Boston, you got to give them credit. New quarterback, um, minimal running game, but you did you did say that they would have to use you know Smith more often. And and I I haven't seen any feedback or highlights, but I'm pretty sure that was the case as you had mentioned before. So Boston really at this point going into Chicago, um, you know it's it's this is this is going to be more for pride for uh, Cahill than anything if they pull it off. It is. I mean, they're they're clearly going to go into that game uh, with with the attitude of. I mean, they're 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 going to be fired up. I mean, they they understand that it was really Cahill. Uh, Chicago uh, was the one that uh, 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 right. I mean, it was a clean play. But the simple fact of the matter is that 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 game and Cahill's injury really put them behind the eight ball this season. Uh, they gutted it out uh, again. They have so many players on that team who have championship experience, championship pedigree. You had to feel like. If they got into a close game, if they got into a dogfight with a with a, a team like Cleveland that is a, a very talented team and clearly saw an opportunity for an upset, but you just felt like Boston, with all that championship heritage they have, they'd find somehow some way to pull it out, and they did. But it was obviously a, a really really tough test, which you know again combine that with the fact that. Chicago scored 53 unanswered points on them in week eight, and you really have to figure uh, they're 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 in a tough spot going to Chicago uh, for this uh, conference semifinal matchup. They're going to play with pride. They're going to play with the you know the championship uh, attitude that they that they've always had. But um, this is this is Chicago's really Chicago's game to win. I think Chicago obviously is is in a position now where you know they're really eyeing another trip to the conference championship game. I, I haven't checked, but I don't know how many straight trips to the conference championship in a uh, game this is in a row for Chicago. It's got to be a lot. Um, it's I can't remember the last time. Uh, I think this could be five in a row. This could be. Uh, th- th- I think they're playing for their fifth straight Eastern Conference championship they're, game. They're in the, they're and, in the mix uh, almost every year. Year in year out, so that's you've I, I got think to give it's five credit. in a row. I, I think you have to go back to 2011 to find the last time Chicago uh, was not in the Eastern Conference Championship game. So, yeah, so they, Neil, they're looking for their fifth straight appearance, and and, and Chicago, they're they're Boston's going to have their hands full of Chicago, no question. Neil, we knew we knew coming in that Cleveland was going to play their heart out. So you know we got to give a shout out to uh, Kerry Palma and Rosa Cassiano out there in Cleveland. Uh, they kept it pretty close. They tried it you know, try to go toe-to-toe with the Renegades. So they get edged, really, by a touchdown. So, uh, you know, shout-out to the Fusion, who obviously played came in to play to win. And it just so happened, like you said, you know, a couple plays here and there, and and they go home. But, you know, hats off to them for a, a yeah, great, great season, making the playoffs as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So the other the other game we knew uh, competitively it was not going to be such a competitive game and so Kansas City literally just takes care of business. Uh, we knew Arlington, uh, you know, and uh, give we got to say this Arlington probably plays and probably you know in the division which is the best team in the league, which is the elite. So uh, I mean 
put Kansas City with the Sours and the Sour Sisters, and you you got to, you got to come you know to bring it. And uh, at this point, you know they 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 showed up, they did what they had to do. Kansas City throws sixty a sixty burner on them. Uh, the real test in this game for me is is the Titans going to be really ready for the elite? Because uh, you know Dallas is at a totally different level. I don't want to discredit Kansas City, but uh, you know, Katie and, and everybody else in Kansas City, this this game against Dallas, you 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 have to play your heart out to win because they're not going to let you win. Once they set, you know, their foot on the on the pedal, uh, Odessa and company, they just keep they keep pouring it on, and they don't. You know, if you're not going to re- uh, hold them back defensively, they're gonna, they usually score at will and uh, get hard there and. Then you got Jenkins. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, just the elite. Just I don't know. They, I I I don't still see the Titans overcoming Dallas in this in this next round. What's your thoughts? Well, they're you know when you look at the Dallas elite, they're the number one team in the nation, and they're the number one team in the nation for a very good reason. I mean, they're just a fantastic team up and down the, the lineup, back to front. I think the thing that makes them so difficult is. You know, a lot of times you with an opposing team, you try to key, key in on their top playmakers, you try to take away maybe their top running back or one of their top wide receivers, and you try to force them to beat you with secondary players or something like that. But you just never know who, who Dallas is going to beat you with. I mean, Dallas has a number of different players uh, in their offensive attack who just – you just have no idea, you know, how they're going to how they're going to get after you. It's, it's, it's funny, you know um, – uh, you know, you look at the Dallas Elite stats, you know, some of their statistics, and, and I don't know if they – I mean, they they clearly don't report all their stats all the time or, or 100%, but, you know, some of their stats that they've recorded, you, you know, you have a wide receiver uh, in uh, Erica Bobo is her name. And uh, right now, currently, and again, they haven't reported all of her stats, but, you know, these are probably partial games and things along those lines, but right now she's recorded as having 16 catches and 12 of those are touchdowns. And you're like, how in the world? 16 catches, 12 of them for touchdowns. I mean, that's just... Neil, Neil, but a lot of donuts. (laughs) Neil, if you go down down their schedule, there's a lot of donuts on the the opposing team. That's got to tell you a lot. (laughs) Oh, well, I mean, just the fact that they're praising... Kansas City for scoring 20, you know, I mean, they scored 20, the Divas scored, I think it was 19, and and and, and, and no one else gets anything, but uh, yeah, I mean, obviously their defense is, is outstanding too, take nothing away from their defense, but offensively, the number one offense in, in, in the, the country, I think, you know, I think Kansas City can, I, I mean, clearly you saw against Arlington they can score points, and even in their first matchup with with Dallas they could score points. They scored twenty in their first matchup against Dallas. Maybe they could, you know, it's it's possible they could score twenty eight points potentially. Maybe they could score thirty five points. But you know, if Dallas is cranking out sixty points a game, it's just it's not you know it's not going to matter. You have to find a way to throw some kind of cold water on there so that your offensive production actually matters. And I think. You know, it's one thing offensively, the Sowers twins, phenomenal. That connection is really hard to stop. I don't care uh, if you're one of the top defenses in the country as Dallas is. That's a tough combination to stop for anyone anywhere. But, you know, while that one connection can, can hit you for touchdowns, 
uh, on you know from time to time on occasion. You you know you need to be able to stop their offense defensively, and that takes eleven, and that's the kind of depth that most teams don't have. And it's just it's it, again this is a matchup we saw in the middle of the season. It was a forty point round yeah. for Dallas. Can can Kansas City keep it closer? Uh, once again, they're going to they're going to be in the underdog role. They're going to try to keep it close as long as they can, and and then hope they get a few bounces. But Dallas is just clicking on all cylinders right now. Unquestionably, the number one team in the nation, and uh, I think they 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 have a terrific shot at getting back to the Western Conference title game for the second straight year. Uh, let's bring in Troy here because Troy, uh, you know, we we've already talked to. Uh, Odessa many of times confidence is not going to be lacking for this team and they got a bye last week <laughs> and nobody has put 20 beyond 20 points even the divas only put up 19 so uh troy is it overly confidence coming in here or is it going to be business as usual troy are you there I don't know if Troy left us or not, um, but uh, I'll ask the question, Neil. So, do you think it's business as usual then? Oh, they have they have so many. I mean, you know, you can talk about are are, are they going to get overconfident? I mean, they're just they're really good, and they know they're really good. So, what are you going to do? I, I mean, I think they're, you know, they're they're just they have a lot of players too, which I think is is something that that gets overlooked. They have a lot of players who've been there. They have a lot of players who've won championship games. They have a lot of players who've lost championship games. They they have players that have won in the playoffs and had players that have lost in the playoffs. They know what a bad performance or what overlooking an opponent will do. And so I can't believe that they're going to come in and take things lightly. And even if on the off chance that that would happen, the thing with a team like that is they're, you know, they're so much better than most of the teams that they play that, they might play a, a subpar half by their standards, but they still have time to catch themselves and and and, and crank it up and and generally, last, you know, uh, make up and, and erase any of those mistakes. So, you know, against Kansas City, them, do they have the firepower to do it? I don't know, but they didn't. The last time we season. saw, we'll see last, if they've got it in the playoffs. Last time we saw was Gethard uh, uh, get just really in command, and then you have uh, Bobo and Bredson on the corners. You add a. Uh, Odessa and Hill on the run game, it's just, to me, speed kills, and they own it. They own the speed. Once they get to the edges, they get an open hole, their line opens up their run game. Um, if, you know, they, their short passing literally gets them to the red zone more often than not, and then the run game just strikes, you know. So it's going to be a tough battle for Kansas City. I, I'm not saying that they're not going to make it competitive, they might make it competitive for two quarters out of four, but uh, you know Dallas is just just a monster. I mean that's all you can say. Uh, I'll, I'll you know I'll take a can I take a page out of Alex Daniels' uh, book, and I'll I'll just say if if this game isn't gruesome, uh, I think we'll be disappointed. Well, again, uh, when I look at the quarterfinal, when I look at the semifinal matchups, the four matchups, I think DC Pittsburgh is the one that people are looking to that that that's can that's really has the potential to be a dogfight. And the other ones, the home teams are, you know, are, are going to be heavily favored in WSA one. And the thing too is, if you look at the conference, the potential conference championships, 
it could be it could be fantastic. I mean, that is to me the ground where things can just get absolutely crazy explosive. Because uh, again, I think people some people are underestimating Central Cal and how good Central Cal is. Central Cal is a fantastic team, and are they going to be able to beat Dallas in Dallas? I don't know, but the, I will be stunned if Central Cal doesn't give them the, the toughest test. You know, maybe even you know, probably the toughest test they've had all year. I mean, even more so than maybe the the Dallas uh, DC game in game one or week two. It's 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 one of those things where I actually ran just a hypothetical uh, uh, Massey calculation because I, I like to rely on Massey to give me game lines. We don't have Las Vegas to give us game lines. Uh, I like to run Massey, and obviously, without having taken into account the results of conference semifinal games, which you know, would change the calculation based on how those things go. But right now, from what I saw, you had him down. You had it by forty-three, right? From what I saw, you had Dallas by forty-three. In a a hypothetical Central Cal at Dallas game, and in a hypothetical Chicago at DC Davis game, which again, none of these things. You know, I'm just assuming if the home teams were to win hypothetically, um, in those two matchups, in both cases, the home team would be favored by six which mm. is really close. I mean, that's I mean that's less than a touchdown uh, for both home teams. And so you would have, I think, you know, I, I think the Pittsburgh-D.C. game is going to be very, very, very tough and compelling. And I think – but I think both of those teams, both Pittsburgh and if, if Chicago has a decided upper hand in their conference semifinal – which love Boston, but I think Cahill's loss has really hampered them to this point. If Chicago has that upper hand, you look at both D.C. and Pittsburgh, they've both given Chicago a really good game in the regular season. I mean, the Pittsburgh-Chicago game in Week 10 was a two-score game. I mean, it was two touchdowns that Pittsburgh lost by. And then, of course, the, uh, the Chicago-D.C. game was a classic in Chicago that was a one-touchdown game that came down to the final play of the game. So I think either way – you're looking at an Eastern Conference Championship game that will be good. And if you have an undefeated Central Cal playing an undefeated Dallas, a lot of people are going to obviously favor Dallas because they've been so great. But, but look, Central Cal, there's a reason they jumped to the number two ranking in the country. That's number one versus number two because Central Cal has looked extremely good too. If you think the Pack Warriors look much better in, in light of beat, going on the road and beating the undefeated Portland team, I mean, Central Cal has, has beaten the Pack Warriors definitively. So uh, on a couple of occasions. So I think Dallas Central Cal would be a phenomenal matchup. I just I don't see any way that the two conference championship games and the national championship game by extension aren't just terrific games. I mean, they may wind up being blowouts by the time the fourth quarter rolls around. One team gets control and it snowballs. But you're going to see four fantastically talented teams in the conference championship round. I just I, I really believe that's what we're headed for. I I was in contact with uh, Lisa King last night, and she couldn't make it to the show today, which I wanted to bring her on and uh, give her congratulations for the great season that the the league has had so far. And I know it has to do with obviously the individual franchise and the personnel within the franchises as well. You know, to take credit, but I will tell you right now, uh, based on what we talked about last time, uh, based on the Massey ratings, everything's coming in line at the end of the season, because you're looking at it right now. Dallas was number one all season long, and all of a sudden now you have Central Cal number two. And after this week, if Central Cal beats the Pack Warriors, 
and Dallas takes care of Kansas City in the Western Conference final, we have the Massey 1 and 2 rating. So that goes to show you the system is somewhat m- more uh, reliable and more of a valid tool to go forward because it's more realistic. Well, and I think when you look at the product on the field, that those if you give me Central Cal Dallas and, and again, both of those teams have to win to get there, but both of those teams are playing teams that they've beaten decisively over the course of the regular season. But if you give me Central Cal Dallas, that's a fantastic matchup. And if you give me Chicago against either D.C. or Pittsburgh, that's a fantastic matchup. Uh, either way that goes. So, yeah, I think, you know, this is what fans want. They want really good teams at the end. Those are four kinds of matchups that you – I mean, that's that that's the pinnacle of women's football, honestly, are these matchups right here. And then, obviously, by extension, whatever the WFA championship game throws at you. Those are the kinds of matchups, that you, you know, that you see at the end of the WFA playoffs that are just uh, between talented teams that are, are absolutely the pinnacle of this sport at this, at this time. Now, uh, uh, Neil, we go to WFA 2, which is also an exciting weekend in WFA 2 because – you had uh, our hopes were uh, Everett was going to travel to Mile High, and it was a tough battle, defensive battle, and equal. I think equal tier is there because they the the Mile High Blades end up edging the rain by two points, which uh, it was a very good game, and I love to see it on on TV because that's kind of like one of those neck and neck one play the difference in the game. But hats off to the Mile High Blades, who they move on. And they're going to be taking, uh, you know, their next the, the next round for them. And then uh, Alabama, we already, we kind of knew Alabama was the stronger team against the Dixie Blues. Uh, Dixie puts up 20 points. Alabama puts up the 50 burner. And I think it helped Alabama during the season to take on Atlanta and all those tier one, a couple tier one teams to kind of keep them in in better state. And then you also you mentioned, you know, don't count the comments as much as we had talked about before. And to no surprise, uh, Columbus really uh, made to make, made a statement against Indy. Yeah, those were those were three really good games in the in the conference quarterfinals, and I actually believe that the conference semifinal round in WFA two might have more interesting, compelling matchups, just in terms of parity and, and that kind of thing, than WFA one. I mean, uh, when you look at what happened this past week. Uh, Mile High, Everett, like you said, it was an extremely good game, came down. It was a two-point victory for Mile High. Um, I I don't know how the very end of the game went as far as whether or not it came down to the final play, Um, but Everett obviously came in hot, having started uh, 0-5 and and then winning their last three. They came in uh, on fire with a lot of confidence, but Mile High was able to hold them off in in, the Mile High Blazers' first-ever playoff game, and they get a win. So uh, congrats to the ladies out in Denver for that. Um, you know, the the Fire-Jacksonville game, that was actually a very, very competitive game at halftime. I want to say it was within one score at halftime. But uh, I think they had some kind of weather delay or something like that that, that, that delayed it coming out of, of, of halftime. Coming out of the locker room, the Alabama Fire came out, and they, they lived up to their nickname. They were on fire, and they – they really took off on, on Jacksonville and, and pulled away in the second half pretty convincingly. But, you know, Jacksonville held held their ground for a half, and, and I think they certainly made Alabama work for it at least early. And then, yeah, you're right with Columbus. They 
they pulled the biggest upset in WFA two, and along with along with the Pack Warriors, uh, uh, the I, I believe the only other road upset in this uh, in this opening round of playing Indy Crash, and, and and really that wasn't a fluke. They they pretty much won that game decisively, uh, going into Indy and, and winning. And again, to me, the Indy Crash Columbus Comets game is what WFA two is all about. It's it's a fantastic game between two evenly matched teams. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, if you could have watched that game, fans would have been entertained. Yes, Columbus wound up taking it away, but that was a game that was hard to predict going in because you had two excellent, you know, uh, outstanding organizations going at it. So, you know, I think when you look forward to this week, the conference semifinal round in WFA 2, unlike WFA 1, which I think has one really competitive matchup and three where the home team's should be pretty heavily favored. In WFA 2, you actually have one game where the home team is really heavily favored and should be, but then you have three games that are all compelling on some level. Um, uh, the uh, the Fire uh, Inferno game, to me, is the game of the week in, in, in WFA 2. And again, these are games that will take place on June 25th, so the weekend after next. But... To me, I love the Fire Inferno matchup. I just think it's I, I think it's terrific. I think, obviously, a lot of people love the Fire because they're they're sort of the hot team in women's football. And people love offense. They have the number four scoring offense in the league and the number one scoring offense in, in, in WFA two. But you know what? The the Tampa Bay Inferno are sitting here. They probably have a pretty darn big chip on their shoulder, or at least I would if I were a Tampa Bay Inferno fan, because the reality of the situation is they're undefeated, very quietly undefeated. There are three undefeated teams in the WFA, Central Cal and Dallas, who obviously are, are, are steamrolling toward a potential Western Conference title game in WFA 2 or WFA 1, but uh, then you have Tampa Bay. If I were to mention before this, hey, there's three undefeated teams in the WFA, who are they? People would probably be able to pick Dallas and Central Cal. I don't think too many people would have picked the Tampa Bay Inferno, who have just very quietly down in Florida gone undefeated in WFA 2. And a lot of people coming in, obviously, are going to pick the fire, particularly you know when you look at the mass ratings. The mass ratings have that game as a pick 'em, like literally the line is even. And, uh, you know, considering the Massey ratings generally favor the home team in the playoffs because they're a higher seed with a better body of work, the fact that it's even bodes well for the Alabama Fire because most road teams are pretty big underdogs, and, and for them to be even I think says a lot about the Alabama. But the Tampa Bay Inferno are sitting here saying, wait a second, they have the number four scoring defense in the WFA and the best scoring defense in WFA too. So their defense has been outstanding and also – you know, they played a team they, – they beat Atlanta in week one. They're, they're not a team that's, that's unaccustomed to top competition. So if you look at the Tampa Bay Inferno, they, they probably feel like they're one of the most disrespected, undefeated teams in the country as far as, as saying, listen, you know, we're, we're going to come into this game ready to go. And so I think the Fire Inferno game – really has the potential to be an outstanding game with a lot of fireworks. And, and to me, that's a game that, uh, uh, that any women's football fan would, would, would love to keep tabs on. Now, the other games that we're talking about is uh, we wanted the Philly Comets. Co- uh, Columbus consistently matches up with Tier 1 teams. 
Philadelphia did very well with Tier 1 teams. So I, I really am looking forward to that game more so than I think Tampa and, uh, and Alabama. But uh, I just want to see where these two, you know, meet, meet up because they both clubs have faced w, WFA Tier 1 clubs, and they did pretty well. So I'm thinking this is going to be a close matchup. And then the other two matchups, we have Sin City versus Mile High. Uh, Mile High, very gutsy team. They have shown it in the last couple weeks, and they showed it last week that they can obviously squeeze a game out. Um, Sin City has played on the West Coast and has faced the Angels. Um, so if I had to give an edge here, I would say maybe Sin City edges mile high, but I wouldn't count the Blaze out so far. And then the, the slam against the power, we don't know, you know how Houston's going to come into this game, but uh, we were told by some of the slam players that they're not willing to go home early in this playoff. So I'm assuming St. Louis is – not going to bow down to Houston at this point. So, um, you know, it's going to be pretty interesting. And then in Tier 3, um, you have Richmond, the surprise team of, uh, I think, all season. If you want to, you know, for me, it's all surprise. We, we had them here. We interviewed them because they were really good. They take on Keystone. Keystone, not the same team of two years ago, uh, but they're still right there in that mix. So it's going to be, you know, uh, a very key matchup. Um, you know, the Richmond owner – told us at one time that she doesn't like to lose to anybody from Pennsylvania. So at this point, it looks like they don't, they're not going to lose to Pennsylvania. So uh, that's a chip on their shoulder, I think. So Richmond here, uh, I mean, after this week, is it, are they declared the champs to go to the bowl game at this point? Or how does that work in that, in that uh, third tier? Yeah. If you take a look at the third tier, what's going on is it's a, it's, it's just a 14 bracket. Um, but one thing that's interesting is, in theory, in the West, it's supposed to be Southern Oregon, the Lady Renegades, who've, who've had a nice season out there on the West Coast against the Acadiana Zydeco, which I never know if I'm saying their name right. It's one of the most unique and unusual names in women's football. Um, I don't think I could even find Acadiana if I tried. Uh, but you know what? Uh, they... They've been around for a while, and I think WFA3 is, is, is great for them. They've been right there toward the top of the rankings of, of WFA3 team, uh, teams all year. Uh, the uh, Zydeco are scheduled to host Southern Oregon, but I actually speculated on this before. I didn't know Southern Oregon would be able to make that kind of a trip. Right now, it's not listed on the WFA schedule, so I don't even know if that game's going to go down. I speculated that potentially uh, Massey could wind up deciding the West, and it looks like that could potentially happen. Uh, here's hoping Southern Oregon can make an appearance because I think it would be a fun game and a good game. But at the same time, you're talking about teams this small. The trip from Oregon yeah. down to, I'm pretty sure it's Louisiana. I, I, yeah, Louisiana. Uh, Louisiana, right. I, I don't know where in Louisiana I'm need to be educated on this kind of stuff, but it looks like... I think it's, uh, I think it's right outside New Orleans, right outside of right. southern New Orleans. Well, I so. think the Zydeco are probably in a good position to go straight to the WFA championship uh, uh, game, the WFA 3 championship game, that weekend up in Pittsburgh. So, you know, I, I might, I'm might, i sure I'd probably bump into some Zydeco people and they'd give me so, an education on uh, no. geography down so, no, in I would we get clarity gladly. To, to get clarity, the winner of Richmond Keystone will face one of those two teams, right? Yes. Yes. The okay. winner of Great. Richmond Keystone, 
then would also advance to Pittsburgh to play, in theory, the winner of uh, the Zydeco and Southern Oregon, but it looks like it could just be the Zydeco by default. So, you know, the Richmond-Keystone game was a good game when they played in the regular season. Um, I think it would be a good game again. And uh, either and one I of those would be, would be an excellent representation that makes sense of the WFN. For, for travel, it makes sense for travel purposes because, you know, Pennsylvania and West Virginia are way closer in terms of a trip, less costly and all that stuff. So I can understand why they would right. play that game versus, you know, sure. the other way. So, um, Neil, before we get out of here, um, so you want to give us your predictions at this point? Um, you cannot pick the Divas. It's one of the rules that we have for <laughs> I, you. Well, no, that's right. Kidding. I can't even. I can't even pick that game. To be perfectly honest with you, it's 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 they're 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 two outstanding teams and and two outstanding quarterbacks, two outstanding running backs. It's just it's it's going to be a phenomenal matchup, and I really feel like it's going to be, you know, I I I firmly believe it's 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 the game of the week in WFA one. As far as the rest of the predictions in, in WFA one, listen, no disrespect to anybody, but I'm picking the home teams. I mean, I, you got to pick the home teams. You got to pick Dallas, Central Cal, and Chicago. Um, I just think they've played all of those teams in the regular season and won all those games by 40. I'm not going to go against that. I mean, the, to me, that's just that's that's pretty straightforward. And, WFA and two. And you know, if you did yeah. if you did against that, you'd be a fool because based on their uh, their firepower. <laughs> It would yeah, be, exactly. you know, stranger things have happened, but I doubt that's going to happen. Well, and especially, you know, people people often take the things that I say personally, particularly because I work in the front office of the DC Divas. I, I do some PR for the team, and, and I'm their VP of communications. So, you know, I, if I'm going to pick against Chicago, <laughs> I'm going to pick against Dallas or Central Cal. Uh, if the Divas happen to see them down the road, I'm sure that would go over just wonderfully. But no, no I, I, to me, not. I think it's pretty obvious. I, I think those are pretty, yeah. those are pretty clear cut picks. In, in WFA two, is actually a lot more interesting out of those games, and you know because those games I think are far harder to predict. I think St. Louis, Houston. Look, it's 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 see, Houston is in the playoffs because there were two teams in that division, and. They're they're the number two team, but they've played at WFA three level for most of the year. Love the Houston Power, respect what they're doing. They, they're they're they're. I expect they're probably in a world of trouble against the St. Louis Slam, who I think are an outstanding team on that level. And you know, I I think you have to watch the the Blaze Sin City game. Obviously, Sin City's at home; they're favored. I want to see Las Vegas and and Denver develop into a really good rivalry. I love both of those markets. I think both of those have the potential to have some really good women's football teams, really good women's football organizations. Those are two franchises that I look at and say, demographically, there's no reason they can't eventually be WFA one caliber teams. I want to see a rivalry develop between those two. I don't think they've ever played. uh, uh, So I'm looking forward to that particular matchup as well. And then both of the matchups on the East, I've seen uh, the Philly uh, Phantoms with my own eyes. They have a Gallup quarterback, and they don't provide any statistics, which makes it hard to predict players. The only reason I know anything about them is because I've seen them. And then when the Divas played them, uh, the Philly Phantoms, they had a gal at, at uh, quarterback, uh, Satoria Bell, I believe, who just a tremendous athlete, just a terrific athlete. She would bootleg uh, around and then pick up for pick up big gains, which you see that often where you have an athlete. But then she'd step back and she'd fire away. She actually had an arm, too which a lot of times when you have these athletes at quarterback who can run, then they can't throw. 
but this guy could, could throw it. This guy could pitch and catch and and run too. So Philadelphia is a heck of a of a of a football team, and uh, you know I I think those are those are both excellent matchups too. So I think WFA two actually has some some really interesting and compelling matchups, maybe more so than WFA one in the conference semifinal round. But uh, uh, it's it, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, and and it's, it's almost too bad that we have to wait a week and a half to see it because. I think it's going to be some some really good action there on in the conference semifinal round. Yeah, it's going to be exciting, um, and we we have uh, the potential, like I said, for some upsets as well. So that always is good for everybody because you know we could be surprised somehow. I just don't know. I don't know if we're going to be totally surprised in tier one. Uh, I think Pittsburgh, DC, could be. You know, like you said, the the, the build game, but. That is the game of the week. I mean, you're you're talking of the, the former IWFL champion taking on the current WFA. Who doesn't want to see that? We wanted to see that from the beginning. We we, we speculated of wanting to see it in the regular season. Um, but I think this is better brewed coffee right here this coming week. Is you get both of them on the same level. Horton, Hamlin. I mean, what better matchup can you get? Top quarterbacks, legendary on top of all that. Um, and then you got Grisby taking on um, – to, uh, to Coney, um, just you know, just it's going to just be awesome. I'm, I'm, I hope Pittsburgh can broadcast it. I hope somebody broadcast this game because I think this this is the game that should be broadcast. I mean, somebody needs to put it on some sort of stream or live stream or something. Um, so Neil, thanks for coming in. Look forward to uh, actually the 25th, if that's the case. Uh, we'll see how everything turns out. You're welcome to come in next Tuesday if you want, so we can break down the results from um, you know. From that week, uh, if you want to come in next week, uh, we got IWFL, I think, starting for the playoffs, so we can talk about that. And that's a total fiasco that we've discussed in the past. So, And there's issues there as well with the Wildcat situation going on. So we're not going to dive into the IWFL until uh, the <laughs> week after, which is the Tuesday prior to you know the WFA uh, 25th. So we'll, we'll, we'll bring you on next Tuesday if you want to go ahead, and, and we'll go into the IWFL into detail again. But uh, – no playoff format from what I can tell. The bracket hasn't been really set. A lot of people are not happy on that side of that league. But uh, overall, great. Um, thank you for coming in. Let everybody know where they can get your uh, your uh, encyclopedia once again. Absolutely. Uh, my website, neilrosendahl.com. My name, neilrosendahl.com. Uh, very creative. Uh, you can go to slash books, and you'll find it listed there. You'll find all of my books, but specifically the Women's Football Encyclopedia, uh, that's uh, the best place to get it. Uh, you can also check us out on Facebook. Our Facebook group is the Women's Gridiron Football Group. Uh, join that on Facebook, and you'll get all the latest updates that I write up, weekly rankings, all that, uh, and a lot of conversation from pretty knowledgeable women's football people hanging out there. So um, that's that'd be the best way to uh, to find it. And and seriously, if you've played women's football on any level um, for any team, current, previous. Anything like that, uh, this book has the history of women's football. It's the book on women's football. You're going to want to check it out. So, uh, yeah, uh, uh, try to figure out how to spell my name, Neil Rosendahl, in Google. Hopefully it will correct you. Look me up and uh, and check it out. So, Neil, you're going to be at home facing uh, the Pittsburgh Passion, uh, Lisa Horton and company coming in, uh, both teams eyeing for a birth in the Y Bowl uh, in Pittsburgh. So we'll get into that next week in terms of 
you know, the name change and everything else. Uh, but uh, overall, I appreciate you coming in. I always, uh, always thank you for your time. And uh, next Tuesday, if you're welcome to join us, we'll go into detail, like I said, with the IWFL and then break down the uh, the Weibull pr- predictions in terms of who's going to show up in Pittsburgh, especially for Tier 1 action. Um, so thanks again. Have a safe, uh, safe travels out there and a great weekend. No, I appreciate it. Uh, like I say, the uh, the IWFL has not yet released even what their schedule is. So in theory, their regular season is over, but we don't know what their playoffs are going to look like yet. So it's probably just best before, you know, rather than sit around and speculate what it's going to be, uh, we'll probably have to wait another week. And hopefully, if we give them another week, uh, we'll know what, the, what those playoffs will look like too, and maybe we can break those down a little bit more. But uh, I'm, I'm always happy to be on, and uh, this is the most exciting time in women's football season. So, uh, And also, there's a couple of smaller leagues too this week. Uh, who are having uh, some playoff games. The LAFL, I think, is having their championship game for small league with only a couple of teams. But uh, Music City Misfits are playing the Tennessee Thunder, I believe, in that one. And then uh, USWFL is still having regular season games. And uh, the league out in New Mexico is having their league semifinals uh, playoffs this weekend, too. So there's a little bit of action in some of the smaller leagues, but uh, we'll get it cranked up really again in, in, in full force on June 25th. Awesome. So, Neil, look forward to next Tuesday if, uh, if you can make it, and we'll talk IWFL and go through the, the Weibull, you know, scenarios as well. So, thanks again for coming in. I really appreciate it. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Talk to you later. Have a great night. Troy, you still with us? Yep, still here. All right. So, um, I called on you, but I think you probably were – you stepped away or something. Um, so, uh, Troy, based on the predictions that Neil gave us here – a uh, big game coming up. It's going to be Pittsburgh, D.C. It's kind of like Steelers, Redskins in that sense. Um, you have the two-time IWFL champion, you know, Passion. Now we're taking on the current WFA champion, Divas. It was, the, it was the game that we wanted to see in the regular season, as Neil had mentioned. Now, now we get it with more of, a, more of a factor. Now we get it in terms of a playoff format. So it's going to be a great game this weekend. Or yeah, definitely looking, def, definitely looking forward to it. I mean, you know, I saw the Divas up close, so I'm a little bit biased to say, you know, I mean, especially where they came from and, and uh, a lot of the adversity they went through this season, um, the, the, you know, that last-second victory up in up Boston. I mean, this team could have – they could have went ahead and, and, and packed it in and sulked after that Dallas game, but all they did was battle all season. This team is battle-tested. Pittsburgh is as well. They're new to the league. So I, I, can't, I can't wait to figure out what, you know, find out what happens with this. And I'm hoping that they'll do a live stream, like I've mentioned, Neil. Hopefully they'll put it on uh, Champ Sports Network or they'll do it on live stream or, you know, because this is this is kind of like Peyton Manning taking on Tom Brady, you know, Lisa Horton taking on Allie Hamlin. It's kind of just, you know, it's something you want to watch. Um, kind of a, a big deal, especially with, when you have two teams, one from a former league that won two titles in that league, and now the current champs, you really want to put, you know, uh, your eyes on that. Um, let's bring in the uh, Captain Crutches, which no longer uses crutches from what I was told last week, uh, Holly Custis of the Seattle Majestics. So, Holly, are you on? Yes, I am. Hey, Sorry I'll, I had to make you wait that long, Holly, but uh, Neil, Neil's very informative, so we, we got to get the dish on what's going on in the game. Um, Holly, uh, 
we started the hour with sadness and obviously not, not a happy state this past weekend in Orlando. And so, you know, our condolences go out and our support go out to the uh, Orlando community first and foremost, but to the Anarchy uh, women's team. And, and you are one of the first people that, you know, put up a, a support uh, method to try to get some sort of fundraising started. So tell, tell the radio listeners, uh, you know, how things came about and how, how all that started and how we got Mrs. Blair involved and the Georgia Girls Tackle Football League and all that. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, um, it was a very tough morning on Sunday when I woke up. I had gone down to Oregon to uh, see my little brothers graduate from high school, and so I was visiting family, and I woke up that morning uh, fairly early, uh, thanks to my uh, body clock from, from work. I, I can't sleep in no matter what now. And so I looked over on my phone and I saw the news. And so as the details started coming out, I was like, wow, this is this is pretty awful. And uh, once I had heard uh, about the news, I contacted the Orlando Anarchy uh, page. And I, I didn't even know that they had players or anything there at that point. I just sent them a message and I said, hey, like, Seattle has has your back. Like, is there anything we can do? Is there a place that we can, you know, send funding to and and um, just to get information of what they needed? And then I found out that they had players actually there, and then it got even more real, even quicker. And so I found out that they had um, one of their running backs that was there that got shot. And uh, and then I think there was another player that was there as well, and then they had a coach, an assistant coach, who was just 21, and he got shot as well and, and sadly passed away. And so you have a community that's just being, like, it's heartbreaking. And being from Oregon, um, I knew what I felt like when the UCC shootings happened. Um, I still remember the day... Uh, that the Thurston High School shootings happened in Springfield, Oregon, like I think it was like in the 90s. And that stuff stays with you. It's really traumatic. Um, and so I just, for me, I've been through a lot of traumatic things in my own personal life. And my first thought is to try to help people. So I happened to be driving back up to Seattle, and I stopped at the gas station to, to fill my gas tank. And I thought about it. I'm like, how can I help these people? And so I thought, well, obviously I'm in Seattle. They're in Orlando. That's a really long distance, you know, to cover. So we need to raise some funds for for these people because being through my own surgery, I know how much medical bills compile up, and I knew that they needed help. So I was like, okay, well, how can we do this in in the most efficient way that we can rally the troops together and I thought well probably the easiest way is to to have a t-shirt that we can design have online and sell and then send the proceeds down to Orlando and so I just had a thought when I was driving up to Seattle and so I posted it seeing what we could figure out and what the options were and then my next stop uh, maybe an hour and a half later I pulled over at a rest stop, and I just looked at my phone, and that post had exploded. Everybody wanted to help. People had vendors um, that they personally knew, and then other people had online ideas. 
and it was really, really awesome. And every time that I've ever seen any traumatic thing happen in and around women's football, the response has been phenomenal because we are a huge family. No matter what, you know, team you come from, no matter what city, no matter what country, doesn't matter, you know, what your background is, what your sexual orientation is, it doesn't matter. We're all a giant family, and that's what I love about it. And so it was really awesome to see the response. And then the next challenging thing came to be, okay, well, what's the best response? What's going to be the most efficient and quickest uh, way to go? And so that's when uh, Ms. Blair came in because she uh, works through um, Georgia Girls Tackle Football, and she said that she had a vendor she already works with and that she could, um, you know, get the price of the T-shirt down. And I thought, okay, well, that sounds promising. Um, and she was able to work very, very quickly. And I was really impressed, actually. She had a person who uh, does design work for her, and they designed a couple shirts and, and worked out a couple different versions, and they actually turned out very awesome. They were able to incorporate the logo from the Orlando uh, Anarchy as well as incorporate the name of the club. Um, and I just thought it was very clever and creative, the way that they made the T-shirt. And so as um, her group was able to get it online and set up, I posted, I posted it everywhere. And I'm still posting it. Basically, um, each T-shirt is $20, and uh, 10 of that covers the actual cost of the shirt, which I believe is around 5 Another 5 of that is shipping. And then so the remaining 10 goes directly to the Orlando Anarchy team, and then they'll um, send it out however they see fit. Um, but, you know, I, it's amazing. I posted it a couple of places, any group that I could find that was women's football related and the response of other people sharing it was, was amazing. Um, and my next kind of onslaught idea is to, to ship it out to, to all the other sports groups that I'm a part of. Um, and I'm also going to try to contact a couple of, uh, media people that I know to see if they can get on board with it. Because these people, they're our family. And, and when your family has been knocked down, it, it's up to us to help help bring them up as much as we can. And um, so that's basically the story of the, the T-shirts. Yeah, and, um, you know, and you've got to give uh, credit to uh, those folks that are obviously willing to help us and spread the word. I, I mentioned it earlier, you know, anybody on Facebook that does the post – just got to make sure that the public post and not a private post, the public post right. really gets us more exposure. It puts it on news feeds, gives us more impressions. Um, so I, I want to make sure everybody's aware of that, that in order for us to maximize our awareness and to bring more attention to it and to help out obviously Paula with her recovery. And we have to mention, you know, uh, you know, we have to uh, give condolences to the uh, Connell family, uh, Corey Connell, who obviously did not survive. Uh, from this incident and tragic incident, um, but obviously his family will still need some sort of financial support, and they will still need some sort of you know uh, care. And uh, I'm pretty sure that the uh, Anarchy uh, team and and their uh, leadership will address that as well. And so she's got a long battle to do. You know, just like you had your recovery with your knee and everything, and she's probably got a tougher battle to do. But we really need to stress the fact that uh, you know I said it earlier. 
I had somebody on Facebook said to me, well, is it, is it for the, the victims too? And I want to stress the fact that, you know, we're in a women's football forum format. We cover women's football. Um, I don't want to say we're not going to help anybody else out, but with the same token, uh, we have to help our own first to a recovery state. And I'm pretty sure, you know, with Paula recovering, um, she's going to make a huge impact in terms of recovery. And then at that point, between her and her team and the leadership on the anarchy, they will decide, you know, what's best in terms of uh, how to help others in the community. So I just want to be clear on that. We're not being selfish by acquiring money just for one player. You know, uh, we're, we're obviously acquiring money to support one player, the family member of the players that are obviously are going through this process. And the team will then decide based on funding and what those players don't need any longer, uh, those funds will be dispersed to other groups uh, that need support. So um, just want to clear that up for everybody on the radio. Yeah, it's it's really important. And in uh, the chaos of everything happening, um, the goal is to get this out as quickly as possible. And, and like you said, uh, I mean, if I had – a lot of money. I would just sit it all over the place in Orlando, uh, but unfortunately, I, I don't. And so, uh, you're, you're right. We kind of have to focus. Um, I think actually, it's a good idea to send it to Orlando, the the team, because they're going to know the groups of people that are going to need it better than I am over in Seattle or other people are right. in different areas. They're going to know. Yep. They're going to know their home, and yep. and uh, so I think it's a good funnily system to send it to them because they'll know where to put it. Um, and there are all, there are other, you know, avenues as well out there. If you really want to give to, uh, you know, uh, LGBT groups, there's, there's, there's avenues for that as well. It's just that the t-shirts themselves, the goal is to send it to the anarchy to, to help them. Um, and I mean, one of the greatest things about women's football is the sense of community and a lot of the players out there, not there, you know, there's there's a lot of variance in there, but there's a lot of there's a lot of our players that are also LGBT, and it's really, uh, it's really tough. I mean, I went to the the vigil in Seattle, and I'm seeing like thousands of people at this thing, and it's a very emotional state, and I, and I thought about it, and. It's because the the community of the LGBT group is like it's a family in the same way that it, that being a football player is a family. You could not know somebody that's from New York and they're also LGBT, and you don't know them personally, but you have that bond. And and because of the fact that our group has had so much to go through, you instantly bond towards each other, and and therefore it is a huge family. And so, the Orlando shootings, it's kind of weird because it's like a family within a family for me, at least that's how I feel. Is is you have human beings, and that's one level of grief. Then you have another level of grief for the LGBT community, and then another level of grief for our Orlando anarchy family. So it's, it's, it's a really, it's a tough one, at least for me. Yeah. And, you know, and unfortunately, like we talked at the top of the hour with um, we, me and Tori were talking, uh, this is really uh, a situation where the individual involved in this is, it comes from a uh, ideology that doesn't value life. 
So, you know, unfortunately it happened in an LG, um, LGBT community, you know, event and, and gathering, but, you know, it's happened all over the cross, children, everybody else. So they don't have a preference of who they get rid of. Their whole mentality is just way warped. And so, you know, unfortunately, I don't even know how, you know, classify it, but, you know, reality is, you know, the government needs to take some sort of action for this stuff. Uh, the individual comes from a background that there was a lot of flags for, and that's, you know, I'm not going to dive into politics here, but the reality is, you know, we have, we have loss of life and uh, we, you know, they have to do a better job of, of those red flags when they get them and take them more seriously. Um, I just, you know, it's just a sad situation that, you know, we have this in our country uh, and it's, I'm hoping it won't continue, but given their mentality on the other side that they don't value life, uh, you know, we can consider it stupid because that's really what it is. It's kind of a dumb act to go in and just try to, you know, eliminate bodies and humans. Um, I don't know, you know, but to them, it's just like an ultimate prize. It's, it's something that they glorify and it's just, it's sad. That's all it is. It's really tragic and sad. So, you know, I'm praying that it doesn't happen ever again. Um, that's our prayers. But, uh, you know, the focus for us now, uh, you know, for you doing what you did, for me to try to help out, for everybody in general, in, in, like you said, in the, in the community, in the women's football community, is to, you know, to try to uh, make the healing process as easy as possible, especially for Paula, um, you know, the, uh, the family for uh, Corey Cornell. Um, and, and I know, you know, I know the anarchy family and the leadership there is going to do the right thing. Take care of family first, and then obviously take care of the community and, and needs around it. Um, you know, whether it be uh, LGBT uh, members at this point, or whether it be just ordinary uh, people that were affected that were not LGBT members, but you know, we're all human. So that's the bottom line is we need to take this uh, in a situation where everybody needs to realize it can happen in any city. And I've talked to a couple people off the phone, you know, off the air here. And I've told them it, it could easily happen in any community because they don't value life. And as a soldier, I can tell you that uh, that's their warped mind. If, if you want to consider it their warped mind, that's their warped mind. And uh, a mission for them is to eradicate. And unfortunately, they don't, they don't value. And, uh, you know, to me, it hit home really, really to the point where, you know, you want to retaliate uh, at some level. Uh, but I know other people don't feel that way, but, um, you know, my feelings is I've always been an eye for an eye. And if, if, you know, if you're going to take out, you know, innocent civilians, innocent family members, innocent, you know, a human being just for the sake of taking out a human being, we go to wars to fight for certain things. And those we can't even justify sometimes because, you know, over time, over history, certain things had to happen. And there's people that had to, sacrifice for the greater good for freedom and everything some of that is understandable and you can also say it's not understandable but to go into a, a setting like this just to eliminate humans just just unacceptable just not even not even right at all yeah i i think um you know i i kind of made a, a post um when it first happened of i refuse to post anything about the shooter. I don't want to like post his face, like, and, and it's because one of the things that, um, that it doesn't even necessarily matter if it's on the ISIS level or a mental health level. Um, 
it's an attention thing. It's because they know that people are going to be talking about them. And so I refuse to buy into that. I refuse, I want to focus on the victims because they're the ones that deserve that attention. Um, and so I'm happy to see that, you know, the shooting, people seem to be getting that more. I see less about how crazy the shooter was and more about look how awesome the victims, look how awesome these people were. And, um, and it's, um, it's really, really sad. Um, I had a, a close friend that was telling me uh, that uh, she's scared uh, to go to, like, gay events because she doesn't want to have to look over her shoulder. And and, and for me, uh, I totally understand that sentiment. But my kind of idea is that I refuse to let somebody like that, you know, take my sense of myself away. Um, I definitely am not going to be, I'm definitely going to be aware of my surroundings and, and not put myself in bad situations if I can help it. But these types of shootings are happening at everyday places. So it's not like you're putting yourself in a bad situation. You're just going about your daily life. I just refuse to have somebody take that away from me. I'm not going to live my life in fear. I'm going to go out and live my life. And um, because that's what they're trying to do is they're trying to take that away from us. They're trying to take that sense of I can live my life without fear. They're trying to take that away, and I refuse to give in to that. So that's just me. But um, I do plan on uh, trying to make it down to the Portland Pride this weekend and the Seattle Pride the following weekend, um, which I'm sure will be kind of emotional. Um, but not even just Pride events. I mean, there's the movie theater shootings. There's shootings on campuses. Uh, it, it, it's insane. But there also the perception thing that I find interesting is that if you live in Israel, this is a daily occurrence on both sides. Like it's, it's, it's normal life for them to be at a cafe and have it blow up. Um, it just happens to be that maybe the last 20, 25 years that now it's over here. And so it's, it's um, really difficult. Well, you know what? I will tell you one thing. Uh, we feel like we're the exception to the rule in a bubble. And to your point, reality is we still have to be cautious. Just because, you know, we right. feel like we're safe, we still got to we, we still have to take precautions, you know. And our law enforcement, uh, I know a lot of people and, you know, in police and, and everything else in the military and everything else, I mean, they do a, a great job of trying to be vigilant and trying to keep eye for certain events and doing things. And the reality of this, you know, individuals like this, uh, they, they, they came from an ingrated mindset and whether, whether you want to, you know, people will tell me, Hey, you're, you're being biased or you're discriminating. No, I'm not, I'm not discriminating because certain individuals have to be scoped out to a point where you feel like they're dangerous. So, you know, if you feel like somebody is dangerous based on comments and based on actions or based on motives, um, you know, you, you, you have to, you, you would rather report the person and feel like, you know, somehow you're just picking on somebody, but rule out the fact that this individual isn't going to go ahead and take care of mass shootings, okay? And, you know, we've read the paper. There's always somebody involved that should have prevented it. I mean, in this case, from what I read, you know, there was an ex, there was an ex-wife, there was a, a current wife, um, so there was just a lot of things that could have been done to prevent it, 
and they didn't they did not speak up. So, you know, I would rather speak up and be told that I'm some sort of, you know, bigot or discriminate against somebody than to have 100 people dead. You know what I mean? I'd rather take that more in that mindset. But a lot of people don't. They won't because, you know, they want to be politically correct. And to these people, I'm telling you, these people do not care about politics. They don't care about being politically correct. They, they are, you're either with them or you're against them. And technically, in their eyes, we're against them. And whether you're a kid, whether you're, you know, um, a human being from a different planet, it doesn't matter to them. They just, they just feel like their right is to just eliminate and take a life. And I, I just, you know, I, I won't, uh, to me, I, I don't allow that. I mean, I think to me, it's like, you know, some people say, well, we, we shouldn't be waterboarding people. Well, that's wrong. We should be waterboarding people that make sense, that we have valuable information to waterboard people with. Because at some point, that individual gets let go, and then we have lives that are lost. And then we have to ask, why wasn't this person interrogated enough? And so, you know, we, politically, on both sides, we all have differences of opinion. So, like I told Troy, we're not going to bring it up on this show because it's pretty much a football show. But, you know, my two cents is, you know, we have to be real about the fact that individuals like this, this gentleman here, or if, I wouldn't even bother calling him a gentleman, this asshole – um, individuals like him, you know, at this point take their life without accountability. And to me, that's just, you're, you're copping out. And so, you know, anybody else in that same mindset that is going to do something wrong, if somebody knows about it, they need to step up their game and forget about being politically correct. I would rather be told that, you know, you, that I was wrong and maybe apologize but uh, save lives versus to keep shung and shut. And all of a sudden you, you, you hear on the news that, you know, uh, X number of people are dead now because of this individual that you had suspicion about. So I don't know. It just, it, it, to me, it's just not right. And where I come from, you know, in a military aspect of it, uh, I mean, people don't like guns and stuff like that, but I can tell you right now, the weapon did not cause this incident. It was the warped mind of an individual that had an agenda. And that's really what it boils down to. And I, I just, you know, they, they, their thought process is just that. They just don't value life. Like I said before, they don't value life. And you have, to, you have to get into your head that some individuals are, you know, just way off base. They're just way warped. I think you have to um, – there needs to be more of an accountability for the behavior of people. So you're talking about uh, being discriminatory. I it, it can't be necessarily um, based on it can't be based on a stereotype. It has to be this person that I know is talking about you know guns in a very unhealthy way. They're talking about hurting people like like that stuff. With this guy, from what I understand, was there. And that yeah, if you have exactly. uh, your ex-wife driving you to state the place out, like that should be the point where the ex-wife is like, okay, this is not right. Uh, this guy is emotionally unstable. He's going to do something. And so I think what you're saying is not, okay, we're going to discriminate towards everybody in this group, but I think it has to be a behavioral thing. And and that goes for the, the mental health aspect as well, because some of these are by people who are mentally unstable. Um, right. And that, it's the same thing. Like if you feel like this person is, is starting to 
say and act a certain way, you 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 have to you have to address it. And but it's hard because not everybody has that. There's a line, and not everybody knows where that is. And so because they don't feel like they know where that line is, they are too afraid to say anything. And I feel like people need to trust their their instincts more. Um, but that's tough because your instinct, my instinct, is going to be completely different from um, some asshole who's going to use it as a political thing. And so that's very yeah, hard because exactly. <laughs> it's all perception. Um, yeah. And, you know, um, I will say, I uh, just to be clear, I have a lot of very close uh, Muslim friends, and they're the most peaceful, loving people I know. And so I feel awful for them because they're not doing this. They're 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 American citizens like everybody else. They have jobs. They they love their families, and and they're not doing this. And they feel like doubly upset because they know every time a shooting happens that involves anybody that claims ISIS, that now they have to look over their shoulder twice because they're Muslim and they're American. And uh, so it's really difficult for them, too. And my personal opinion with this guy is I think we're getting to the point where people might not even have connections with ISIS. They're just so enamored with the attention of it that they're just saying, oh, I'm with ISIS. So I'm going to, like, right before they're doing it. And ISIS is like, I don't know who you are, but great. And that's the scary thing to me is that's telling me that people are – falling in love with the the rhetoric of what they think ISIS stands for. And ISIS is just eating it up because it's, it's exactly what they want. And um, yeah, I mean, so again, when you get down to it, when you get down to it, it's no different than being in a gang. That's what I tell people. Yes, exactly. You, know, you want to have some gusto, like you want to pro- pro- proclaim yourself some sort of, or brand yourself from some sort of group, you know, an acceptance, that kind of deal. It's just, you're right. That's why I'm saying we have to do a better job of, of you know, scoping somebody, gathering their information from, and then be not uh, hesitant to, you know, give information to somebody about somebody that you feel like could be a potential person that could cause some harm. You know, it just it, we have to do that um, because it's just it's the right thing to do. That's really what it is. The right thing. If you're fa- if just think you have to think it in, in a way where if that was my family member and I, and I figured out that this person was going to do something and all of a sudden he does something and your family member is in harm's way or they get killed, the, the, imagine the guilt trip on you because you just didn't say anything. That would be awful. Or you could have said something. You know what I mean? It's, just, that's, it's no different. Uh, and that's why I'm saying they, these people, uh, once they get into their head that it's for the greater good of their religion or whatever, and you mentioned, you know, I have Muslim friends as well, and some of them – do not believe in Sharia law because of some of the things that obviously it has indoctrinated into it, you know, but you have right. others that still believe in that, even though they're American citizens, they still bring that into their, into this country. And it only takes uh, somebody that, you know, from a higher power in their religion to just turn a young guy or a young person into, into thinking that this is your calling. And if you do this, this is going to be for the greater good. And you're going to be, you know, glorified or saved or whatever. So, you know, it just it's just the, the homework has to be done. If somebody sees something not right, you feel your gut that it's not right, 
um, you know, let the authorities know. Call somebody. Let let them notify. The best thing to do is to get somebody analyzed and then maybe prevent lives from happening like this. And that's really what it boils down to, the value of life. And they don't value it. So to everybody that's listening, you have to understand they don't value life. So if they don't value life, it's more prudent for us to, to kind of second-guess somebody, like you said, with mentioning certain things that obviously are off-base, and then maybe go that route. And then you also have the, the intangible, like you said, uh, Holly. Uh, you know, this guy could have been on, on steroids too. We don't know. And, you know, road rage could have caused it. He could have, he could have gone to a mental state too. You know what I mean? It's just, but, uh, you know, uh, my heart goes out to all the family members, uh, to all the uh, people that obviously were affected by this. And, you know, our prayers go out to everybody for a quick recovery. Those that have survived, uh, I know they're in traumatic state right now, but uh, it's going to get better. Um, and to your point, you know, we, we go back and live our lives like we, like we should live our lives but we have to be a little bit more aware of our surroundings and, and obviously be willing to report something that doesn't seem right. I think that's where we need to be at as citizens now in this country. We need to really be aware. And then if something doesn't seem right, you know, take action on it and you know, don't rule it out. It's better to do that than not to do anything. I, I totally agree. I think as a country, um, a lot of us have this history of, wanting to fight a, a fair war and and we have that's one of the reasons one of the huge reasons why I personally feel that uh, we lost the Vietnam War is because um they had guerrilla warfare and we had our American troops trying to fight uh a more conventional war and they weren't gonna fight that way. And since that point I feel like these serious groups they are using the same type of warfare. It's real warfare, but it's in a version of terrorism. And and so yeah. I think in order to combat that, we have we have to. It's not necessarily that we have to go out and kill a bunch of people. I think our our my personal opinion is that our weapon is knowledge, and and our weapon is knowledge of um, finding. Um, out information like if you if you feel like somebody is going to do something and and saying something about it is is power and then um i i think that's i think that's the way to go um and also not giving attention to people who do these things because if they are that enamored with ISIS and those groups then what they're being promised is attention and glory and that's why they're doing it and so if you take that away from them, then the, then it's like taking away the prize from a child. Like, the, what? I mean, what's the point? Like if, if they do it and all of a sudden there's no attention for it and uh, it's not, you know, we're not letting it beat us, then eventually that uh, there's going to be a point of diminishing return. And what? why are they doing it? Yeah. Correct. I mean, then that's what I'm saying. It's like you you have to really, um, you know, don't be hesitant. That's one. Uh, my whole point now is don't be hesitant. You know, just you see something off the wall, uh, you know, somebody that's not right, you know, just report it. If they feel offended by it, oh, well, you know, but maybe it's better to offend somebody than to have, you know, a bunch of people dead. That's just not the way, you know, it should work out. But, um, 
Um, Holly, so the T-shirts, uh, one game, one pulse, uh, hashtag pray for Orlando. Um, and yeah. so you can get them at the uh, link at georgiagirlstacklefootball.com, georgiagirlstacklefootball.com. Um, I know it's been linked pretty much everywhere uh, from what you've already said. So you, you can find it on our Facebook page. You can follow it on the uh, women's football groups. Uh, pretty much each player that I'm aware of in the women's game has either posted it on their personal timelines as well. Um, so I encourage everybody to, you know, if you have a, if you have a page, uh, go ahead and pin it at the top, leave it there for a while. That way it's, it's the first thing somebody sees when they come visit your page. And then the opportunity is there for somebody to make the purchase and help out Paula, uh, help out the uh, Canal, uh, Canal family, Corey Canal, and the uh, Anarchy um, to help them out as well. So um, anything else you have, Holly? Uh, we got a couple minutes here. We're going to wrap up. But uh, I really uh, appreciate you coming on and uh, talking about it. And uh, we got to, you know, do our part in this week. And let's not forget, you know, next week we'll mention it again and then going forward as well until uh, – and so the anarchy tell us otherwise that they're up and running and recovery and everything's good. But uh, I know Paula has a long way to go and we wish her well and, uh, and good recovery. And I know she's got a lot of support from her teammates as well as her family. So, Yeah. Um, I would just like to leave it on, um, you know, we've talked about the importance of community. And um, when I first posted the link to, to the t-shirts, um, I, when I'm on the football field and you have your teammates around you, you know, occasionally you get knocked down or they get knocked down. And whenever I see a teammate knocked down, you know, you pick them up and you tap them on, on the helmet and you tell them that, you know, I, I got you. And I feel like that's what this, this T-shirt thing is. That's what the outpouring of support is to Orlando. We're reaching down to Orlando and we're saying, we got you. We're, we're here. And I think that's really important for the state of our of our sport um, and our community. And I'm really proud to be a part of that. I, I, I don't see that happening everywhere else. I don't see it happening as quickly. I'm so proud that our sport is so quick to react and, and help each other. So, yeah. Yeah, and before we go, I'll give credit to uh, Mrs. Blair for uh, over in Atlanta, Phoenix as well. For doing a great job. Of, yeah, uh, she she is. I mean, man, that was quick. Like I posted that, and I talked to her a little bit, and then the next day I talked to her a little bit more, and then bam, t-shirts. Like they, they were really good yeah. at it. So, um, uh, so definitely give her a, a lot of props. Yeah, hats off to them and the and the uh, vendor that was helping as well to make that come together for the uh, necessity that we needed for the fundraiser. So. Uh, everybody, make sure you visit the uh, the site georgiagirlstackle.com. Uh, georgiagirlstackle.com. I know Neil posted it on the women's football board. Holly's got it on her site. We got it on our page. Uh, pretty much posted everywhere. So if you you know you can just pretty much click and link. If you do share the post, please make sure the sh- uh, the post is shared in public so that we can get more of the word out as well. And if you have a uh, Twitter page. Um, you can also do a, a pinned tweet on top. So if you wanted it to be more of a focus point for your um, for your Twitter feed as well. And there's other social media platforms that you can use as well, like Instagram and, and other formats. So, um, Holly, well, we'll look forward to you next Tuesday if, if we can make it. Uh, we're going to be talking pretty much 
more women's football. We just talked to Neil about the playoffs. And uh, in your neck of the woods, uh, we got to give a shout-out to the Everett Rain, who uh, obviously didn't win their game, but they lost by two against Mahai. And then the Portland Shockwave, uh, they lose to the Warriors 14-7. to But other than that, it was a great season in the Northwest, especially with those two two teams making the playoffs. Yeah, I um, definitely want to give a shout-out to both teams. Um, I mean, Everett – uh, started out 0-5 uh, and really got some momentum going into the playoffs. And even though they lost this game, I think at the end of the day it's going to be really good for them and their confidence going into next year. Um, and then the Shockwave, of course, had a, had a great year. Um, I know they're disappointed to, to lose that uh, game, um, but I think they'll they'll only be better for it in the long run as well. And so I think as we go further into this tier system, I think it'll be good for, for uh, teams up and down uh, as far as the different levels because they'll get to compete um, uh, in closer games and, and playoff settings, and that's only going to make them better. Yeah, and it was an exciting season. You know, 2016, this is probably the best season that, that I've – since I've been covering women's football, this is the best season. And I spoke off, off air to Lisa King last night. I uh, direct messaged her, and she couldn't make it for the show today, but – uh, I did, you know, uh, address and express my gratitude as a fan that, uh, you know, the the way the, the 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 schedule was set up this year and the way the matchups were set up this year, this is very exciting. And uh, you know, going forward, you know, this is this is the way it should go. And you know, if you do this every year, at some point, somebody's going to feel like they they need to sponsor it. And so, I think it's a it's a great uh, you know great inroads going in and making strides as well. So uh, congratulations to everybody in the WFA, players included, coaches, ownerships. Um, it was a great season, and it still continues because we still got a couple rounds of the playoffs and the Y-Bowl, obviously, in Pittsburgh for the national championship. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it. All right, Holly, thank you very much. Uh, we'll be in contact again, and uh, great job on uh, getting the word out, especially for the Orlando uh, tragic incident that happened. Uh, shout out to Mrs. Blair out there and the Orlando Anarchy as well and everybody that is sharing and um, the post and for the t-shirts. And so um, thank everybody for their support. So we'll catch you guys, uh, or Holly, we'll catch you next Tuesday if, if available, if not on another, on another edition. All right. Thank you for having me. All right, Holly, have a great night. Enjoy it. All right. You too. So Troy, Yes, sir. Are you asleep? Right here, dropping away. So, uh, a lot to digest today. Uh, not much football related, of course, but uh, um, we got a couple minutes here. Uh, we got four minutes, so uh, I want to thank you for being a part of the show for so long now, and and being here. Uh, and then Kinkisha will be back next week, and so uh, we didn't get a chance to tally up, you know, other other women's uh, football stuff but uh, you know we got time for that next week we can retract and, and do what we got to do so a- any final words Troy uh, before we get out of here yeah just you know what if, if we can all just simply just you know end, end the discrimination we, you know all, we are all in this together If I mean it starts there and, and that's part of the reason why I believe that you know people be you know, they're attacking just random people because of discrimination. Either they feel discriminated against 
or they're discriminating. I think it starts there. We just have to, you know, we have to be tolerant and we have to love each other. If we can do that, and I know it sounds idealistic, but you know what? If you if you if you do that, then then all this other stuff ends. So I just want to leave you guys with that. Each one, teach one, and each one, love one, please. Yeah, kudos to that. Um, and that's and that's the key. You know, the key is uh, with these folks here that we're talking about. Um, uh, everybody needs to play a big a bigger part role. And if you see something wrong. Somebody just needs to, you know, step up and give information. You know, information is power, and the more power and information you give, then better decisions are made, and and maybe we can prevent uh, tragedies like this in the future. Okay, um, and so, you know, I I think uh, the bottom line is uh, we want to be safe, and we want to make sure everybody has, you know, no matter where you come from, what background you come from, the bottom line is. We all want to be, live in a free country. We want to live in a, you know, fearless society. We don't want to be, you know, fearful of anything. And so, you know, just we got to just be a little bit more vigilant of what we're doing and and how certain people act around us. And if we have any doubt, you go with your gut, as they say. And um, things like this could probably be prevented completely. So, um, once again, uh, hats off to Holly for putting up the fundraiser. Hats off to Mrs. Blair out there in the Atlanta Phoenix for doing her part to uh, create the T-shirts and her vendor. And then obviously to the Orlando um, Anarchy family, uh, just let them, let you guys know we're here to support you. Every woman's football player is here to support you. And uh, and we're going forward with the healing process at this point. And we pray that uh, everybody recovers, you know, Paula recovers, uh, the Cornell family uh, or Connell family, um, you know, they get supported uh, on their loss of their son, Corey. And so uh, we'll be here next week for uh, another edition of the Gridiron Blitz. You can catch us on uh, ultimatesportstalk.com at any time. Uh, you can go to johnmdavisbooks.wix.forward/lflnetwork as well. And you can always catch us here on Blog Talk Radio. Um, so for Troy Wilson and Kishi Free, who will be back next week, Oscar Lopez, having a, uh, have everybody have a great week. I know it's just kind of like going to sound – not good, but uh, thanks everybody for joining us, and I hope everybody has a great week and uh, helps with the women's uh, team in Orlando. So, have a great night, everybody. Troy, we'll catch you next Tuesday then. One love, people.